Panzercrush.com Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Heaton. Oh, Jessica, so much to talk about today, so much. But uh, seeing as this is our, well, if you listened to our show last uh, last week, we had uh, the Bradford Hill and um, uh, uh, Walter Winnick, I believe, or Walt Winnick. Uh, I'm, Completely bubbling that right now. My my apologies, but the gentleman behind uh, the Ultraman dub. So we didn't really get to talk that much about other things going on. So this show is going to be a little more kind of like let's catch up from the last few months, you know, last month and a half of what's been going on because there's been a lot to been going on. But Jessica, right, how right, are you. And how I think you? last week it was William Winkler. William Winkler and thank Brad, you. Bradford Hill. Bradford Hill. William Winkler. Now I sound like a total jackass for. Completely fumbling that, but that's how Chris runs. It's okay. It's late into the night, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, Chris and I were talking for like an hour beforehand about all kinds of stuff. Got a lot of stuff to catch up on. Why? Because Jessica's been out of town for the last few weeks. Jessica, what were you doing over the holiday season? Um, I I actually went to London. <sighs> I felt like I needed something a little bit Christmassy, and also there was some work I was kind of working on, so I went over there for a Christmas break, and it was actually really, really good. It was it was good. I really enjoyed it. It felt very Christmassy there, mm-hmm. and the moment you I came back to L.A., it was much harder to feel the Christmas spirit. There's, le- there's much less like lights, mm-hmm. decorations, festivities, holidays. I think also, I mean, obviously weather. It's just... Yeah sunnier here mm-hmm. and it's a little bit uh, obviously more cloudy over there mm-hmm. just due to geography so it's a very it's much more Christmassy and ho- holiday feel over there I'm so a- it was very very interesting I have this feeling that London at Christmas time is like when you go it's the difference between here and Christmas which is like Taco Bell versus going to an actual authentic Mexican restaurant and getting a real taco like Christmas over there is just so much more hardcore and just that much more Christmassy in London because it feels like that's where they invented it anyway. So, like it is, it is, and and Doctor Who Christmas special is a tradition there. Mm-hmm. Even if you are not a fan of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. it was still a family gathering mm-hmm. that people could stay in together on Christmas night and watch Doctor Who. I think maybe the closest for us here is like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street oh, or Christmas love. Story. But they, those are iconic movies. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who is more of an iconic character that is really embedded into uh, a fictional and real history mm-hmm. of England. And only that, but so, it's, it's, the, it's a new episode when it airs, too. So. It is. It is. It is. And I also, I also got to see the Roman Baths, but also I got to see the Stonehenge. Oh, how was that? It was... You know what? I... It was... <laughs> The stones were not as big as I thought, but I also believe it's because we are at a farther barrier now. Mm. 
there's a much wider perimeter for us. And every time I've seen it, obviously, it's always been on TV or, in this Mm -hmm. case, Doctor Who Mm -hmm. with the Pandorica and the Big Bang Mm 2. So those, they look bigger or buildings would look taller, for example, in Japan or Tokyo. But when you're actually there, the perspective is a little bit different. I am pretty sure that if I were to actually stand next to an actual stone, then yes, it is very tall Mm -hmm. and very big. But it was... From, from where I was standing, it was pretty grand, but it was not as large as I had thought. But it was pretty amazing. And then there was a museum that talked about it. And it was really, you know, though, I, I found it was built around the same time as the pyramids. Mm-hmm. And some friends that were there were saying that kind of killed the magic a little bit. <laughs> because the pyramids were, at least visually, yeah. a lot more stunning to look at. Yeah, well, also, of course, the Stonehenge is stunning in its own, in its original format, in, the, in that little weird sundial mm-hmm. circle type thing. But when you know, it's still it's still architecturally advanced for its time. But when you're comparing what it looks like, if you're just giving it to an unsuspecting person, yeah, you know, be like, look at these stones, most of them gone, versus this grand pyramid. They'll be like, holy crap, look at those pyramids. Yeah. What's wrong with those four stones? Yeah, <laughs> but. It was still, it, it killed a little bit of magic, but after you think about it, I was like, okay, no, makes sense. Ma- you know, the magic comes back, and then Easter Island came like thousands of years after. You would think it came around the same time, but it did because there was a timeline on the wall mm-hmm. that shows you all the major things being built, mm-hmm. and like when it was, and obviously Stonehenge was one of the oldest ones. Yeah. So, and, and I thought Easter Island was older, but it's younger, much younger than I thought. It's only, I think those heads aren't even like a, they're only like a like 500 years old or something like that. They're not that old, I, I believe. I might my, my, be talking my ass on that one a little bit, but I was reading up on like Easter Island is one of the actual few places I would really like to travel to. Problem is, is that I have a rule about not setting foot in South America, mostly because of my superstition that every plane goes down when you go to South America. So. Uh, that would mean I would have to go to Chile to get there and uh, just. I've seen enough films. I've wa- seen enough things about soccer players eating each other. I'm like, no, I'm just going to stay away. That's my own mental madness. But on that note, yes, uh, I'm quite obsessed with, uh, with with Rapa Nui, as they call it. And uh, the fact that, you know, there are all these heads that are actually bigger under under all the sediment. There's actually bodies to them, you find out. And that uh, the island used to be giant and lush, and uh, now it's just like a big barren thing with a bunch of heads running around it. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. And your disappointment with how big things are, go to Mount Rushmore. You see all these pictures of how grand and how big Mount Rushmore is, and how awesome it is, and then when you actually pull up there, and you look up, and they're like, where is it? And you're thinking you're going to see these the giant heads of our founding fathers and Abe Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt just standing there and you're just be like, man, look at him. And you're just like, Oh, okay. That's it. Yeah. They look small from where you are. Yes. Cause they're way up at the top. I, I, you re- I realize when, you know, it's a matter of perspective when you get up there, yes, they're much bigger, but for when, when you pull up, it's a little disappointing. Like you're just like, uh, huh. I guess there's a gift shop. We can go there. What else does South Dakota have to offer? I'll tell you this. Not a lot. 
Nothing against the people who live in South Dakota, but there's just not a lot there. It's a lot of a lot of badlands. A lot of badlands. Scenic, but just a lot of badlands. There's a big um when I went there I was a kid, I stayed in a town called Wall, which they're known for their for the world's biggest drugstore called Wall Drug. And outside of it, I have a picture of it when I was like nine years old. They have a very large uh, uh, brontosaur, or diplodocus, if you will. Just yep. roadside attraction kind of thing. And that, that the dairy at the time, the Dairy Queen and the uh, the fireworks store were the big draws of that place. So, and the other draw was, hey, we filmed, uh, Kevin Costner came out here to film Dances with Wolves up and down this whole area. So, that was the other big draw. So, yeah, that's South Dakota. Beautiful if you like scenery, but not a lot to do. I don't know. I've It's been 20 years. I don't know how it is now. Actually, it's been pushing... Ooh, coming on 30 years. I'm starting to feel old. So, uh, I'm pretty sure it's it's probably built up a little bit more since then. But, yeah. Mount Rushmore, a little disappointing when you get up there. But, uh, you know, you could take in the grandeur and majesty of it, I guess. You know, it's an architectural, you know, achievement. So... A lot of rocks still. There's a lot of the demolition rocks right below it too. You don't realize that until you get there. Looks like a landslide happened, and out of that landslide, four heads formed. So anyway, London, London was fun. I saw you saw. I saw you went to the Paddington Station too. I did. I did. I got to go see Paddington Bear. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Paddington Station with an official store. And the lady was super sweet inside. I was looking for a particular statue I saw several years ago. Mm. And she's like, you know, we had to move it because we're currently having construction, but it's still inside. And she goes, oh, if you have time and you're interested. And she pulls out a map and she goes, here are all the other Paddingtons that you can find <laughs> within the station and the city. And I was like, oh, uh, I was with some people who were not interested. Oh. And I was like, I was like, if I... She was so sweet, mm -hmm. and so she, I was like, I took the map, because of course I'm going to keep it. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. like, definitely if I had time, I would look for all the Paddington Bears, mm -hmm. but because I, I heard like a collective groan behind me of mm -hmm. people that I knew who were like, ugh. And I was like, but you know, unfortunately I'm with people, and we all have different agendas and stuff, and you know, we do what the group wants. So I was like, I'm not able to, but I would really like it though. Thank you. You did get to see at least one of them though, right? Yes, yeah, the main one that's inside of the station. The so, main one that's inside of the station. That it, one was really nice. It's an adorable bear. Of course, you couldn't help yourself. It is. It is actually. He he's super cute. He's super cute. <laughs> he's, so Padding, Paddington Bear is like my British counterpart. Mm. And I got to see Star Wars Rogue One in like a bed. Like instead of theater seats, they were beds. Ooh. If that makes sense. Uh, cool. They are clean and sanitized, people. So. Is it like the eye pick out here, or is it even better than that? It's even. Did you ever see the photo? I actually, for those who are Facebook friends with me, it is on my photos. Um, know, I may I have to I share it again saw, or show Chris. I think but I it looks something. like a big, it's a king-size red bed. God damn it, they just do everything better out there. Like, I thought we and were, I, I got we to see Rogue it. One that way. Which is such a good movie. Ugh. So good. It is. It is. That was really great. I got to go see the Harry Potter Studios uh. over in Warner Brothers. It was great because they had a – it's not to scale. It's obviously a miniature scale, but it's mm. the entire Hogwarts, mm -hmm. and it changes in the winter because they add snow for Christmas. Mm. 
So it was really amazing. The butter beer was better. Mm-hmm. I went to Chinatown because I don't know. I felt like it was my ethnic <laughs> obligation like to check out to Chinatown. You have to punch the <laughs> in every place. Mm-hmm. And it was good. I saw some every. All the food is is great. I still prefer food here where I'm. I'm. I am at in the mm-hmm. city that I'm at, but. There was a very sketchy sign on the wall that said "Sexy Lady Models Upstairs," but it was handwritten in marker on a construction paper taped to a door. And oh, that sounds like a taken situation being set up right there. I, I mean, the friends I was with laughed, but I was like, "Oh no!" Uh, but it was definitely that was interesting. And then there was one of my favorite boba places was mm-hmm. there. Located in Chinatown, so I went back several times. I was there for a place that I could get here at home. But it's you were there. You wanted a little taste of home while you're out. So it is. It is. But that's not stuff like my mother's very big on where you travel. Mm-hmm. You want to try all the things that are new, very which I so. already did. My mom's very big on like I don't understand why people would travel and then go to the McDonald's there. But I was well, like, you know, oh, I mean, the no, things no, are no, different. No. Will, you don't know. Exactly. So if she knew how many times I went back to that boba place, mm-hmm. she'd kick me. Yeah. And I would attest, I will attest to at least one time trying the thing that you have by your house. Like when I'm in Dallas visiting my buddy, uh, last time I was out there, they had opened up an In-N-Out near his house. So oh! He too. So he had been there already because he's just like, oh, yeah, I went. Like, there was a mile-long line because nobody's ever had In-N-Out over here. I'm like, all right, I need to go. He's like, but there's barbecue. I'm like, I, there will, there will, I will have barbecue tonight. Like, my stomach will be ready to ingest a whole barn. But I need to try In-N-Out in Dallas because from my intimate knowledge of it, because they opened up a different processing plant because that's how In-N-Out works. So, like, let me go over there and sample their In-N-Out so I may compare it to its homestead counterpart. And, you know, pretty close. But there's always still just a little bit something off. So it's just a little bit like when, you, when you're when you finishing it, you're like, yeah, it's in and out. But I don't know. There's just a twinge of something that's not right. Like the beef's a little bit different or or maybe the cheese is a little bit different. And just like it, it, it's almost there but not quite there. And uh, when we were in uh, Hawaii uh, last May... My friend and I were working a comic book show out there. Uh, we have a, uh, a compadre that, work, that lives out there. And I had been to Hawaii before. George had, my buddy George had never been, well, he had, well, I, let me let me rephrase that. He had been to Hawaii to work said show a few months prior, uh, but he didn't do anything. He didn't leave his room. He pretty much went back to his room. He got, you know, he ate food from the local 7-Eleven or, you know, whatever was around the corner. So, uh for any of made out there previously, when we went back out there, he's like, "Ah, oh, you gotta have some wine cuisine." Like when I was out there for like a week, when I was when I was younger, I was just like, "That's all we had was all that stuff." So I kept telling him, "Like you gotta get the, you gotta try the the spam and all that stuff." And he's just like, "Ah, George, like I don't know." So said friend, was like, "Oh no, brother, we'll go get it for you. We'll, we'll show you." So George is thinking they're gonna like home make all this stuff. The spam and the Portuguese sausage and the rice and all that. So we show up for the show, prepping our booth in the morning. Show opens at ten. We're there at nine, and we get this big bag of McDonald's dumped on our on our on our uh, on our table. And he's like, "There you go, brother. Let me know what you think." So George is like, "McDonald's? 
the hell is this? And I'm just like, I pull it out, and it's a massive thing of rice, three slices of, of fried spam, three slices of Portuguese sausage. I'm like, this is Hawaiian cuisine, good sir. He's like, they sell this at McDonald's? I'm like, oh, yes. Region locked McDonald's are always the, the greatest. Like, they have a whole myriad of other things out here. I'm like, did you not look at the 7-Eleven? The 7-Eleven out here has things we don't have. Like, they had spam, they had spam rolls, they had spring rolls, they had, they still had the elusive cheeseburger bite, which I ate more than I'm willing to admit while I was out there for four days. So, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a nice eye-opening experience, and that's why I always always tell people it's like, don't be, don't knock the local thing you can get here because sometimes they have shit that's different that you cannot get. So much like Hawaii, you can get the the wonderful breakfast with the fried with the steamed rice and everything. You can't get that here, and it has a whole flavor to itself. So, if you're out, if you're if you're in London town, try it. See what the Royale with cheese is like. So, you never know. You never know. And that's Chris's lesson for the day. Anyway, how was the rest of your trip, Jessica? It was very good. It was very good. It was, it didn't really rain too much. Mm-hmm. It didn't snow, so it was mm-hmm. mostly just cold, mm-hmm. which is surprisingly colder in New York. I was checking weather for friends. Colder in New York than it was in London. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back from London to L.A., it was actually colder in L.A. So I was I was very, very surprised. So it was a wonderful trip, I take it, then. Yeah, it was good. It was a really, really good trip. Overall, it was, I had a good time. Yeah, there was no, like, credit card fiasco (laughs) like there was in the summertime of Japan. Mm -hmm. Oh, poor Jessica. Like, did, just, you want one trip that truly works out. So, sounds like, sounds like London worked out pretty well for you. It did. It did. It, it, It was, I mean, it ended up, I come back, I had a deal with some, like, family car issues, mm-hmm. which was not great, mm-hmm. but I was already like day before I was going to leave. Mm. So at least I knew the stress was coming. Yeah. As you're sitting on the plane, how long is that flight anyway? It is an 11 hour flight. Oh, good Lord. I get it's antsy at 14 five. to 16 to Taiwan. My mother takes it. Oof. I, well, I'm a, I'm a fat guy, so it's kind of hard for me. Like the last plane ride over to Hawaii or actually that plane ride in May proved to me like oh I can't sit uh, the I, I can't really do the window seat if I'm doing anything three plus hours anymore because yeah well also don't fly United either because they're not the greatest airline in the world so two lessons learned but yeah when you're a, when you're a larger man of girth like myself um, yeah flying for that long of a time is uh, especially in coach oh it's it's torture. So, like, I want to go to Japan. Have you ever done a economy, a premium economy? Yes, the aisle seat. We did that on the way back, where we got the aisle seats, or the 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 um, not the aisle seats. I mean the uh, what is it? Um, the emergency exit seats. Um, I had George. I'm like, he's like, we we got we can do the upgrade. I'm like, I will pay you whatever it takes if we're gonna sit five and a half hours flying back. Please do it and. That extra leg room is all the difference in the world. So, if I normally fly, I fly Virgin. I fly Virgin America. I love Virgin America. Their seats are a little bit wider. They have a little more leg room. They're much nicer. They're they're a they're a press. They're they're a great airline. 
I found out they do go to Hawaii, so when we go back, I'm bugging my, my buddy George to book through them instead of United, but he's going to go to the cheaper route because, you know, we're there for business. We're not there for pleasure. So, but uh, if, I do, if I do fly to Portland or to Dallas or anything like that, when I went to G-Fest, I took Virgin. If I can't take Virgin, I'll take JetBlue. And uh, those are my two I prefer. Unfortunately, the, the two that I prefer don't go to every freaking city. So, um, that's, uh, that's, I've had to, yeah, I've had to stoop to United or American Airlines a few times, which I'm not massive fans of. So, let's just put it that way. Um, but yeah, I would definitely recommend either of those, the, 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 the first two, if you're going to fly. So, she come out here, you know. I did. I took a Virgin to go to London. Ooh. Oh, that's Virgin Atlantic, too. That's like their premier one. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very, I mean, it's very nice. Their premium economy does not include the lounge yeah. like ANA does, which is all Nippon Airways to Japan. That mm-hmm. includes a lounge, that, which is the, fantastic. That's the upstairs But Virgin thing, right? America doesn't, but it was still worth it, even if it's a couple inches just for a long comfort. I mean, between that price jump and first class, obviously, it's not financially possible no. for me. But if you were to save up a little bit, the mm-hmm. jump between economy and premium economy is possible. Yeah. Now, my goal, my goal one day, if I go to Japan, I want to fly in the little bucket, you know, the little room uh, seats. I want to do that. Oh, God. If I said you want to fly in the little bucket, no, I was no, like, no, oh. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm never – no. If, if I walk into a plane and it's a prop plane, I've watched that uh, – that air disaster show enough, and my boss used to be an my old boss used to be an aviation nut, and I'm just like, okay, what are the planes not to get into? He's like, you know, what? your jetliners these days, safest thing in the world. Like, we, they're so there's they pretty much fly themselves. The ones you want to watch out for are especially are those little Cessnas. Most of the time it's pilot error, but those a lot of things go on. But the dual prop planes, those are where you want to watch out for because those things are death traps. I'm like, duly noted. All right, so. Um, you know, like I found out that uh, like Alaska has a fleet of those things that do like jaunts. So if, like you want to fly from like Los Angeles to Lake Tahoe, which is a seven-hour drive normally. It's a forty-five minute to an hour flight. They take those little puddle hoppers like that, and I'm just I, I'm like no, no, I'll I'll, I'll do the seven-hour drive. I'd rather do that. Cause, uh, yeah, I've seen enough. Uh, I've seen enough of uh, reenactments of those things going down. I'm like, nope, done. Not doing that. So, I think the only downside to those little first class or little mini rooms to yourself mm-hmm. is that you're not. You don't get to talk to your buddy. You're not next to your buddy. Well, uh, a lot of times I'm flying on my own, so that's never an issue. That is true. I understand what you mean. That is yeah. true. Like, if I'm going over, usually, like, it, I'm, I'm fairly certain, like, two things are going to have to happen for me to go to Japan. i got to drop 100 pounds if I'm going to sit comfortably in that seat. Or i got to get a lot of money, and i got to get the, the big wide thing. And even then, if that means I'm being sequestered from everybody for 11 hours, that's fine. I can deal with it. So, that means I can fly comfortably without my spine being shaped into, an, like, an origami swan. That's, I'll take it. So... But uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, enough plane talk. We actually talk about monsters on this podcast, 
So. Well, yeah, people people are now interested in, in how we get to places now. Exactly. You know, we, we do a lot of flying. You know, we travel a bit. So um, on that note, uh, let's actually talk about some news that we couldn't talk about last week because we were having our hefty interview. few things are going on. Uh, we are at the end of January. That means we are one month away. One whole month away. Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to save that for a minute. Because I forgot about this thing we got to talk about first. So, uh, a few months back, we talked about a movie called Colossal, which was being sued by Toho uh, because the people who were trying to sell it at uh, Con, or Cans, however you pronounce it, had this wonderful little prop up uh, display of the legendary Godzilla and Mazinger. And they're selling us this big monster movie. And anybody that has a brain cell be like, What are you doing? So, the uh, studio producing it, or the company producing it, got sued by Toho. And it got settled out of court. Pretty much them explaining, Sorry, our bad. Here's some fees for damages. But we're moving forward with it. So, um, this last week. Because it's premiere at, uh, I believe it premiered at Sundance. Uh, we got the full trailer for it, and uh, I'm going to play a little snippet of it for you, real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll come back to it. In a minute. We'll, we'll come back in a minute. I just looked at the news, and I think I'm in shock. A giant monster just materialized over Seoul. Nine hours ago, you were just hearing about this. What have you been doing all day? You ever notice how it just keeps destroying everything in its path, but it never looks down? It's like it's being operated by remote control. You gotta see this. It's dancing. It's dancing like... Holy sh... So, April, we get uh, Colossal, which is a quirky film from uh, writer-director Nacho... I'm gonna probably butcher this. Vigla... 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 V-I-G-A-L-O-N-D-O. His name's Nacho, though. That's that that that's that's what that's his legit name. Uh, he directed uh, a v- wonderful film called Time Crimes, which you've never seen it. I would I would very much uh, recommend it for everybody. It's a it's a weird mind bender of a film. He also did a uh, a little film called uh, Extraterrestrial. Um, it's there's a few movies called Extraterrestrial out there. Just find the one from a with the that's in Spanish. You'll know which one it is. So he's he's very good at making quirky little um, uh, kind of uh, like sci-fi horror films, but there there's a little more going on to them. So uh, Colossal is, uh, if you couldn't tell, uh, stars uh, Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis with uh, Tim Blake Nelson, and it's about a, a a girl who's obviously having some problems in her life and. Somehow she's connected to a giant monster that keeps attacking Seoul, Korea. So, uh, yes, uh, insanity and, and quirkiness ensues. Um, it, following up on this film, 
you'll find out if you go see it. The monster is not the main focus of the film. It's more on Han Anne Hathaway's character. The monster kind of plays the background, but she is connected to the monster, as we see in the uh, in the trailer. Like it kind of follows her around, which brings to mind a uh, episode of Godzilla the series called The Crackler, where Godzilla fought an energy monster that was kind of uh, manifested from this uh, frustrated uh, worker's um, psyche. So, it, there seems to be a little bit of that going on. I'm pretty sure there's more nuance to it, but it looks fun. I don't know. What, what do you think, Jessica? You know, I was actually showing this to a friend, mm-hmm. to friends who remembered the Toho fiasco, mm-hmm. and they saw it, and they were like, oh, so somehow she's, like, remote controlling it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think so. I mean, we'll find out when the when the film comes out. I'm really interested and when I saw the monster ever so briefly, I'm one of those people who I need to freeze frame certain things to see it. I don't always see it or I don't always capture the full picture at once because my eyes are too busy looking at everything. Mm-hmm. So that happened. And for some reason, the giant monster reminded me of Pogorasi, that North Korean A little bit. It's the horns, monster film. The only one. Yeah. Something about the horns or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. one, I might be also butchering the name of the monster, mm-hmm. the kaiju. I apologize. Uh, however, most people know what we're talking about. It reminded me of that. Yes. So it is, you know, upright and everything. My friends go, oh, so it doesn't look like Godzilla. No. I'm like, no, but it does look like a different North Korean mm-hmm. monster. But then she also said Seoul, mm-hmm. which is South Korea. Yeah. So I, I I think that just I don't I think that's just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really have anything to do with each other. But I am really really interested. Does the film synopsis say where she and Jason Sudeikis is? Yeah, they're in New York. The monsters in Seoul. Where are they? They're in New York. They're in New York, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. All yeah. right. She or actually, you know what? I, th- I think it actually might be she's from New York and she goes. I know she goes back home. The, from what I was reading from a few of the... Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, so she's, she lived in New York, and then she heads back home after uh, she loses her job and her boyfriend. So it's it, it's a little bit of like... Um, it's got like a little bit of a quirky kind of like indie comedy vibe to it, and uh, a little more of a, like a kaiju thriller to it too. So it's a weird mashup. Um Pretty much, yes. Yeah. She she was living in New York. She's from a small town. I think it's in Michigan or something. Um, and she goes back and kind of uh, loses herself into her old life while the giant monsters, you know, the, the giant monster stuff is kind of like the background to the main story from the reviews I've read. But it does, it all connects uh, towards the uh, towards the middle of the film and then kind of pays off from what I heard. Like, I've heard very good reviews. They, I believe it premiered initially at Toronto. They only did one screen there, but I think it did a couple screenings at Sundance. So that's where the bulk of the stuff's been coming out, and that's why we got the trailer now. And we get it in April. So only three months from now. So March is King Kong. April is this kind of fun little little film. So, um, yeah, I mean, look. Any kaiju is good kaiju. So... It is, it is. I look forward to, you know, I really like, obviously, we will be talking about uh, kaijus that we're already familiar with, Mm -hmm. but I am interested in Colossal. Mm -hmm. I prefer more kaiju and less people, but Mm -hmm. I understand, um, for 
foremost people, it's the actors and actresses that sell it, the name. So I'm therefore, I'm also interested, because it's something a little bit more original. Yeah. And I'm also interested in uh, when when it happens, mm-hmm. when I finally see the trailer of it, a Rampage, I believe, oh, yeah. with The Rock. That it's, will also be a monster film, they, if I'm correct. There's actually, they're moving on that finally, too. There was some, oh, God, I'm going to have to pull up the news on that. But, yeah, they actually cast someone else today. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, let me pull this up. I, I just saw the news. Oh, yeah, Naomi Harris. Uh, she just joined the cast. Oh, page. that's wonderful. I like, it's a great actress. Yeah. So, so, so that would be that would be wonderful. I'm I am all for original and new stuff, mm-hmm. and also established franchises. Yeah. No, so right, well, I think it'd be it'd be good. It'd be yeah. good. We have our superhero films, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But I would also like to see a lot of kaiju films as well. Well, we get it comes out next year, so they're gonna they're getting ready to start work on it. They're keeping the aesthetic of the game. It's from um, uh, the director of San Andreas. Carlton Cruz is one of the writers on it, so take that for what you will. Um, he wrote; he was one of the one of the co-creators of Lost. But uh, the uh, the director said, "Yeah, they're keeping a it's it's going to have a fun kind of Ghostbustery kind of feel to it." So you know that that's the tone they're aiming for, like old school, like the original Ghostbusters. So uh, it's not going to take itself too seriously, but at the same time, you know. There's going to be some heft to it. And uh, they're, I guess, taking the basic premise of the game with a giant wolf, a giant gorilla, and a giant lizard going on citywide, going on a worldwide rampage. So, And The Rock has to, has to defeat him somehow. So that comes out in April of 2018. A shy two months prior, or a month and a half prior, is Pacific Rim 2. So, going to be a good year. A good year for 2018 is gonna be a very good year for for giant monster fans. So we get you know February 23rd, the day before my birthday. Mm, we get uh, we get Pacific Rim 2, and then you know like April, I think like third or something like that. Then we get Rampage. So oh, it's gonna be so it's gonna be good times. Again, I would always bring back when Jessica and I sat down, like God, going on three years ago now when we were putting this podcast together initially. It's like well, you know, the legendary Godzilla's coming out. I'm pretty sure there's going to be news from that. But after that, you know, we could fill this in with some other stuff. <laughs> Little did we know, there was just going to be a myriad of things we're, we're never going to have. We're, we have had no problem filling in shows. So, it's been, uh, it, we're living in a golden age. It's a new golden age, people. And p- enjoy it while you have it. Because if you weren't around for those dry spells... Oh, you don't know what you were missing. So, and uh, those were those were dark times. So yeah, so we got Colossal. Do go give it a chance. If it's playing in a town near you when it comes out, go give it a shot. It's not going to be your run-of-the-mill kaiju film. Just know that going in. But uh, I'm pretty sure you know. Hey, you never know what you're going to see if you expand your horizons. Had I never, had I never gone to go see, uh, or had I waited and to to try to go meet Quentin Tarantino at a screening of True Romance, I never would have seen Wild at Heart. And I never would have picked it up other than, you know, like, oh, it's a Nick Cage film. I love Nick Cage. It's the only reason I went early. It was part of a double feature. And my mind was blown away by something I had no int- had no idea I wanted to see. And by the time that movie ended, I'm like, why had I never seen this movie before? So, 
Not only that, but I got to see uh, uh, Laura Dern, too. And I love Laura Dern. So, she's always great. She's Ellie. She's from uh, Jurassic Park. All right. Jessica, we got to move on. There's some other stuff going on. Uh, <clears throat> there's, uh, like I said, we are, as I stopped myself earlier, we're a month away. We're a month away from Kong Skull Island. Coming. Yes, yes, and more and more things are popping up online, oh, yes. legally, like TV spots and yes. stuff. So, Legendary put out four TV spots uh, this past weekend. Uh, all, all included, all have new footage. Uh, Jessica, there's a big scene. Like, we get a lot more monster action. We get more of the skull crawlers. There's an awesome shot at one of the spots of Kong leaping out a much bigger skull crawler. Like, he's about ready to wring his neck, which I'm just like, yes, this is what I want out of a Kong film. There's a giant crab. There's a giant spider. And at one point... There's just, an octopus? Yes. He fights the damn octopus? He fights a giant octopus in it. Yeah! How can you not love it? How can you not love it, Jessica? I am really excited, especially since I, one of... I also, like... You know, B-movie creature features. Mm -hmm. And so I remember Attack of the 50-Foot Crab. Mm -hmm. So this, as a kid. Mm -hmm. And so this was also kind of a consolation to see a crab-like creature also fight Kong. That would be amazing. Well, you also got to remember, these are all now part of a bigger monster universe that Legendary is creating. So these can all, all fill in with Godzilla movies down the line as well, too. So... Which brings up the sec the next point. The world building has been confirmed. One of the spots. Yes. Yes. The spots opens with John Goodman narrating, which I, I brought I believe I brought up when we reviewed the trailer either the first trailer or the second trailer. With John Goodman's character either he's involved with Mon he's either part of Monarch or he's involved with Monarch or Monarch's gonna run around somehow. But it turns out it looks like he's not part of Monarch, but he knows something. So uh, because his whole character is about coming back with proof, and it opens with him talking about the about Skull Island, where its position is at in the South Pacific, but we don't see him talking. We see some old Monarch archival footage of some bombs being dropped when Goodman brings up in 1954 they were they weren't conducting nuclear tests. They were out there trying to kill something, and we all know what that is, Jessica. Yes, is. yes. They were talking about nuclear testing in 1954. Mm -hmm. uh, and I I was very excited. The friends I saw the spot with kind of knew, but mm. was, wasn't was sure. Mm. And I was like, it's, it's you know. And then they were like, oh, my God. Okay, so that is a, that's a good, subtle way of world building. Yes. They didn't outright say the name mm -hmm. or try to show you a montage of like a baby iguana. Yeah. That would be too on the nose. Yeah. So it was more of a passing statement. It's exactly what Marvel does when they bring up, like, when, you know, we know a character's coming, but they haven't introduced him yet, but they make subtle little hints. Like when, uh, like in Iron Man 2, when Tony pulls out Cap's, you know, half-put-together shield, you're like, ah, oh, use the shield. Or, you know, in uh, Winter Soldier, when uh, Agent Sitwell... He's talking about all the people on the Hydra list, and he's like, you know, and you know, you know, Nick Fury and uh, Bruce Banner and Doctor Stephen Strange. You're like, oh god, he's it's Doctor Strange is coming. Like those, those little moments. 
that's the fun thing about the universe building. That's what makes it so awesome. And the fact that Legendary is going full bore with it, I'm like, oh, yes, please, just shower it on me. That's all I want. I want it all. Give it. So, oh, so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait for us to do the Kong review. I, you have no idea. I am jacked for this film. I, I mean, how are you feeling for it, Jessica? I am really, really excited. The more... The more I see the trailers and TV spots, I still have yet to look for toys. I know that they're already out. Mm -hmm. The more excited I am. I do like Kong a lot, but with Planet of the Apes scarring me as a child, <laughs> I am always more of a wait, always wait. more of a Godzilla fan. But I actually I'm excited for all the other creatures actually, mm -hmm. like the giant octopus. I mean, I know it's going to be limited time on screen, but the giant octopus. The giant, you know, yak. Apparently, people have issues with the giant brown yak cow. I am excited for all the other creatures, but okay. I definitely, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of more feeling it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Skull Island. It's, I mean, the fact that they're doing where it looks like the whole movie t pretty much takes place on Skull Island. You can't have. We've all learned that. I'm hoping they, everyone who's ever made a Kong film since, have learned the lessons from Dino De Laurentiis. And you can't go cheap on a on a Kong film and not have other monsters for him to beat up on. A giant snake does not count. So you need to have him just you know that the best parts the best parts of um, a Peter Jackson's Kong film are all the Skull Island stuff when they're on the island dealing with all the different monsters on there the 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 the, uh, the spider pit sequence when Kong takes on uh, I'm. A little disappointed they were more large bats and not pteranodons, but the T-Rex fights, all that stuff, that is what you want out of it. And the fact that they're not, they actually aren't, I mean, we haven't really seen dinosaurs, they're just, they're literally like monstrosities on this island. That just kind of makes it even better, you know. Gives it a little more pizzazz, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm very jazzed for it. I'm, I'm hoping against hope, I doubt they're going to do it, but I'm hoping we get like a little in credit scene where it builds into Godzilla 2. I'm just hoping. I doubt we're going to get it, but I, I, something tells me they're going to give us a little morsel of something because they're building. We're now officially building towards Kong versus Godzilla. We're three years away from it, if you, if you can believe that. It's only three years away now. Seems like forever now, but then three years will go right by and be like, oh wow, well, we're already there. We're sitting down. We're in the theater, you know, listening to it or watching it. So. Um, but in the interim, we have to get from Kong to Godzilla 2. And we got word yesterday, officially, uh, officially now, Michael Dotery is playing, or is directing Godzilla 2. So he's writing it. Word on the street was, when we initially talked about this a few weeks ago, was that he will be directing it too, but it wasn't confirmed as I make the air quotes on it, but yes, the man who gave us uh, Krampus and Trick or Treat and also wrote Superman Returns he's giving us Godzilla 2, which I think this is a very good thing, so he knows his monsters, He the films he's physically made himself are delightfully fun and he knows how to, you know he knows his scares, he knows his monsters I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to make a pretty kick-ass Godzilla film so 
So I am. I am very, very excited for it. I also hope to see more of Godzilla as well. I got a feeling we will. I got a feeling we'll see a lot more. You can't really. You can't really do the whole, you know, hiding Godzilla. Now that he's out. Now that he's out in plain sight. Like the you know the original trailers were very very short on on giving us Godzilla and even the film was playing more playing it to the chest a bit more. Now that he's out there, now it's more about you know the other monsters. Are you going to kind of keep those cards close to the chest? You know, while while they're making it, and just put Godzilla fighting. You know, there's. We know Rodan. They have Rodan. They have Mothra, and they have King Ghidorah. I know some people are thinking they're going to save Ghidorah. More likely, they're going to use all three of them in this film. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my theory on it. Because if they're going to do Kong and Godzilla, throwing any of those other characters in there is just kind of, kind of boggle it down a bit. So, I get a feeling we're going to see all three of those somehow. So it's a matter of what they play to the chest on that one, and they play hide the sausage, as they say, with those monsters instead, and have Godzilla just march around a bit more. Uh, okay. So, but I have a feeling, you know, they'll go with the sequel. They'll go with the sequelitis route where more is more, and that uh, you know we won't be uh, teased as much. So, uh, on that note, as we segue from what Legendary is up to with their current monster films, there's a little news behind the scenes at Legendary that we do need to talk about. Uh, because this does have uh, long, uh, la- this might have long-lasting effects on a few things, uh, especially our beloved uh, kaiju stuff. So, uh, yep. Er- earlier last week, uh, Thomas Toll, founder of Legendary Pictures, uh, was politely shown the door out of his own company. Uh, so. Here's what here, here's what the report is on the story. The Hollywood Reporter wrote this big thing about Tall uh, exiting Legendary Pictures. Now, uh, early last year, Tall sold the company to the Wanda uh, uh, the Wanda Group, which is run by the richest man in China. So, a large Chinese firm now owned. Pretty much all of uh, all of Legendary. I think they paid like almost a billion dollars for them as well. They paid a a very hefty sum. Now, uh, uh, three point four billion. Three point four billion from the Wanda Dylan Group to Legendary. Yes. So Tall got a lot of that money, um, and initially they kept him on board because you know there's a lot there's a lot of when acquisitions like this happen. Like we didn't just buy it for the name. We want the company. We want what made the company successful. Thomas Toll's a big part of that. That looks like it lasted 10 months at best, and now they booted him. Uh, sources have... Uh, the, the story says that Wanda had become frustrated with his management and his recent projects, such as The Great Wall and Pacific Rim 2. Now, Great Wall is a Thomas Toll creation. He came up with the story for it. Um, with and this was a movie with a big intention just being sold mostly to the Chinese audience and then the American market the second uh, the you know the in the back burner like we're gonna release this here that's why we have Matt Damon in it 
but at the same time, we're mostly focusing on China with this with this movie. Uh, it it did good business. It came out, I believe, at the end of December. I think Tull's original idea was it was for it to be released during Chinese New Year, which then it turned out that I believe there's uh, like an unwritten law or something over there where pretty much if something's coming, if they're releasing a movie during Chinese New Year, it's going to be a Chinese produced film. So like a, a domestic film. And while Great Wall is very has a lot of Chinese production behind it. It's still technically an American film. So, got released a little bit earlier. Uh, I think they got it a uh, week after Christmas, actually. So, did well. Didn't do gangbusters, but it did well. Not looking so good stateside. And that's been part of the problem with Legendary in the last... Ooh, year and a half or so. Um, since they broke away from Warner Brothers... They became their own independent entity, and then they shacked up with Universal. Um, we, they initially, one of the first projects they pitched to Universal was Pacific Rim 2, with Guillermo del Toro coming back, and, you know, when they announced it for April of 20, I think it was April 2017 initially, so it was supposed to be this year we were supposed to get it. You know, we we did. If you go back and listen, we did a whole episode on it where we're like, "Holy crap, this is actually happening!" Then it didn't happen because um, there was already some kerfuffle between Legendary and Warner Bro- or Universal because Universal did not care for the um, the credit they were taking for Universal's big hits such as Straight Outta Compton and uh, Jurassic World, mind you. Legendary. The the whole point of Legendary is to provide funding for these films. The way Hollywood works now is that um, production companies come in with major studios and then they split the bill, if you will, on production costs for for major films, especially tentpole films. Um, Legendary did it for years with Warner Brothers. Uh, Most notably, they did it with the Dark Knight trilogy. They did it with the Hangover films. Um... And then they, you know, project. So if if the money they co-produced with Warner Brothers, they made a lot. Warner Brothers would give them a little more money on their end to produce to produce a film. And and if they didn't, then Legendary would put up more of the money, and you know, vice versa. So when it came to Godzilla, Legendary put up a lot more money on that one. Whereas Pacific Rim, I believe Warner Brothers went in 50-50 with them. And that's why they weren't exactly keen on doing a sequel because it didn't return the profit they were hoping for. So they made the whole pitch to Universal like, hey, there's a, you know, we did well in China. There's a whole audience for it still. Let's do this. And then Universal initially put the brakes on it until they came back with um, with a new budgeting plan and a whole different way about going about it. Now part of it seems like it was because Toll was actually selling the company to Wanda and that they, uh, well, they were going to f- start footing the bill on these things. So, in the interim, Legendary had a few films that didn't do exactly the greatest in the world. Uh, one of them being Seventh Son, which uh, kind of bombed when it came out. That was not a cheap film. And uh, Warcraft, which... Did not do. It, it was it was a certified failure here in the states. Again, though, in China, massive blockbuster. Good lord, did they love themselves some Warcraft. So, it became one of those things where it's like, well, 
it's doing better worldwide than it's doing here. Do we bother to move forward with it or not? So, coming around to all that, uh, the recent string of uh, not quite successful films, what Tall was trying to do with the company and his own projects, wasn't quite mashing up with what Wanda wanted. So, they politely asked Tall to get out. And now, they are looking for someone to run the day-to-day. So, the only thing that Tall remains with the company is that he gets to keep his uh, title of founder. He has a stake in the company still. He's a minor stakeholder, so he still has a small financial interest in the film. And the one thing he is still producer on, and he will remain producer on, are what they're calling the MonsterVerse films. And those are all set up at Warner Brothers, where Tall took Kong from Universal and set it over there. And pretty much they're all about, like, hey, we need more franchises, so we're going to keep making these until, you know, until the until nobody comes to the theater anymore. So he will remain on board on the Kong and Godzilla movies for as long as they keep turning these out. So, And it seems like if they're going for the whole universe thing, we might be we might not be seeing the end of these for a long while. Now, what does this mean for other films? Well, for something like Pacific Rim, um, Pacific Rim Two right now is currently filming. Um, the weird thing about that is that they've only announced two cast members, and they haven't announced the rest of the cast yet. So either they're playing it close to the chest, or there's something else going on with the filming. Because there hasn't been a lot that came out about it. There's been a few things that John Boyega has been shooting, or has been sharing on Instagram. There's that shot of him in the Jaeger suit. And then uh, the cinematographer actually posted a picture on Instagram of them filming with a cast list that showed uh, 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 Rico Kikuchi was coming back. So that means Mako's back, but they haven't made that announcement yet. And that Carl Urban's in the damn film, too. As So is Charlie Day. So... There's some weird things afoot. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, we might see some changes come out of Pacific Rim 2 before we actually get to see the film. Um, while Godzilla and Kong are pretty much safe over Warner Brothers, Universal is still releasing Pacific Rim 2. Wanda has now majority say in in that fran in that franchise. And if Pacific Rim 2 does not blow the uh, the top off of the box office that's pretty much going to be it I guarantee we will probably never see any more Pacific Rim related stuff if Far 2 does not do well so the hope against hope is that it does well, it does well in China but it does well out here the beauty it has going for it, I believe right now it's it has an April release date unless they I, I might, they might have changed that to, to August uh, of next year, but I believe it's... No, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking on my butt. I just mentioned it earlier. It's February. It comes out February 23rd next year. So, that's good. It's in the kind of like that Deadpool slot. There's not a lot going against it. But it also means it has still has to make a lot of money. And there's other things coming out that, you know, March. March is not a big movie month. So, if all of you don't get out there and go see Pacific Rim, good or not, this might be it for that series. And that's because without Thomas Tall defending it, there's no one there to, to keep championing it. Unless, you, you know, it's being championed with your dollar. And that's what we're looking at right now. So, it's kind of turbulent times. Um, it's interesting because 
relatively tall is part of a group of guys out there who were really good at making money. That was their big thing. Um, and then they went and they're like, well, I want to make movies. So they formed production companies without really knowing much about the film industry and started, you know, helping produce films. If you follow the film industry right now, there is a thing. There's a there's a studio called Relativity, who just filed for bankruptcy. Very much in the same boat with uh, with Tall. Tall. It was run by a guy, much like Tall, who was a I believe he was a stockbroker. Very good at at, at pulling funds. Tried to uh, try to get his hand in the movie business. And there's a whole piece uh, in uh, Deadline about the downfall of this studio and how just because you're good with money does not mean you're good at making movies. And uh, Relativity had just one bomb after another until they were, you know, rattled into the ground. Legendary looked... There was a lot of people talking about Legendary was going that direction. Even though they have hits, they still have a lot of... They have a lot of bombs, and a lot of their films are very expensive. Um, they're not... Very few of them are very cheap. Uh, um... And you know, there's stuff that they made that got kicked. Off. Like there, there's a there's a film on on Netflix right now called Spectral. I actually would recommend you watch it because it's a very fun film. It's like a hardcore Ghostbusters with a hint of Final Fantasy spirits within. If that movie was good, I will say it like that. Legendary produced it originally. Uh, Universal was going to release it, and then they said no, and they sold it to Netflix. And if you watch this film. It's not. It's obviously on a modest budget, but it, that budget is still. It's not nothing cheap, and obviously, if Netflix Netflix paid for it, uh, they probably lost money on 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 Spectral, which is sad because it's actually a really fun film. Even though now it's in the widest distribution it could possibly have outside of a movie or a movie theater uh, run. So, without Wanda coming in to buy Legendary. They probably would have been bankrupt by the end of this year. And that probably would have meant the whole to a lot of stuff, including the kaiju stuff, unless Warner Brothers really stepped in. So, uh, it's turbulent times out there. People just aren't going to the movies like they used to. And if they do, it's for big tentpole films. So, Star Wars made a ton of money, but just because that makes a ton of money doesn't mean another bigger film doesn't make a ton of money. It's a, it's a very... It's a cutthroat market out there right now. So, I would... You know, highly recommend you all to you know if you want to keep seeing this stuff, pay with your pay with your wallet or pay with your dollar. Kong is going to be a very big um, determining factor in that. So if King if Skull Island doesn't do well after King Kong versus Godzilla, that might put the kibosh on a lot of that. So just saying it, get out there and you know show show people that they're you know show show the people that are. Trying to make the money off this, that there is a market for it. It's one of that long ramp. Sorry, Jessica. Uh, no, it's not a problem. Mm. I'm interested to know because obviously people like you and I are very excited for Kong, mm. and I have friends who know what Kong is. Mm. But I wanted to know whether Kong will do well. Yeah, there's sometimes there's some films that you think will do well and they don't, mm-hmm. and there are ones that just kind of you think that they won't do well and they did surprisingly well. Something about it just hit to people. I've seen several friends write, Kong will be the movie to beat this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe them and... You know, Wonder Woman's an established character <laughs> from an established franchise. Yeah. Uh, but it can also do 
well, and it can also do not well. Yeah. You know, and there's other films coming out in this year. I don't have all of it pulled up, but I'm interested to kind of know how Kong will do. Well, I mean, it's coming out in March, which is now the like the new, it's like early summer. Uh, yes, it is. March is the new, yeah. yep. All thanks, to, all thanks to Zack Snyder, too, of all people. Because uh, when they released 300, which is now, you realize 300 is 10 years old now, Jessica? Oh, my God. I didn't realize it was that old. I, I, it's a while. It's been a while. It was yeah. back in the day when no one quite knew. People forgotten that Michael Fassbender was in it. Yes. Yes, he was. Um, but, yeah, uh, Mar- Zack Snyder kind of created the March season. So it, they, he kind of proved that you can take a larger budget film, like 300 back in the day normally would have been a summer film because it's very expensive. But because it was an R-rated expensive film, Warner Brothers took the chance and like, let's put it in March, you know, where there's not a lot of competition and see how it works. And ergo, it made a ton of money. Now, there are a lot of films that would be considered summer tentpole films that come out in March and, or, you know, all, throughout the month now. It used to be like early March. Now it's everything. So here's how we're looking for March. Week one is Logan, which I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for Logan. That last trailer. very very excited. I'm a huge Laura Kinney X23 fan, so oh yeah, so very my, interested to see how they handle. So was my other podcast partner, which he, uh, he got a little creepy on me the other day too about it. So um, then the week after that is Kong, Skull Island. The week after that is Power Rangers, and then the week after that, capping off the month, is Ghost in the Shell. So there's four very heavy genre films that all play to pretty much the same group of people. So it's going to be a tight, uh, a a, a very tight race. Um, It's, you know, now, weekend box office, some people, you know, say a movie lives or dies by the weekend box office. It's a matter of how long it lasts. Kong could be number two, but as long as it keeps making money, that's all that counts. Um, I have a very strong feeling that Kong will probably beat out Logan definitely is going to be number one when it comes out, it's a, but it's R-rated, so it's got that going against it. But Kong being PG-13, a little more action-y, I have a feeling that it'll probably knock Logan out of that first spot. Um, my whole thing is that whether or not Power Rangers knocks that out. Uh, that's the dark horse in my mind. Like I, I got a feeling that it's, it's different enough that it'll draw people, but it's also different enough it might turn off some people, too. And that last trailer made that film look really fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go watch it. But I know some people, especially hardcore fans, who are just like, ah, no, it looks like crap. I'm like, go give it a chance. This looks this looks pretty cool. And it kind of fits into the same... It definitely fits in with our crowd of people. It's got a big robot finding a big giant monster. Although the designs on it are little left to be desired. I'll tell you that. I'm not a big fan of the, of the Zords, but... Being said, it still looks like it's going to be a fun film. Ghost in the Shell, now that's up in the air of whether or not people are going to turn out to see this expensive cyberpunk film based on an anime. So, a very competitive March. And then there's not a lot in April, except for Colossal, and a few other things before we get into May, where then we get into our Guardians of the Galaxy and, you know, our summer temple film. So, uh, Kong unlike Batman Superman last year, has a lot of competition really going against it. So, just saying, get out there and go see it. You know, 
definitely go see it opening weekend if you can. And then, if you like it, go see it, go see it a few times. Keep that money train rolling. So, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. That's, I'm just going to say that. Yes, I mean, I'm, I look for, I'm going to see it at least once, for mm. sure. Oh, so, man. I look very, very forward to it. So, I also like my creatures bigger. Mm-hmm. So I like the size of Kong. Yeah, and I already know people are already arguing the logistics of when Kong gods will come out. I'm like, you know what? We're three years away still. Let's 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 just see how they handle it. So we'll handle it when they get there. So it's a matter of how much will it be connected. So that's and if it's a if it's a fun film, that's gonna be the thing that really matters. Ooh, all right. I kind of got a little much like I normally do. I got real long winded there. So. But we had you know what? I think I think everybody's into the prediction of how Kong's going to do, especially stacked up with other films released around the same time. Yeah. So yeah. it may be it may be something we can revisit when the movie comes out. I definitely. You know, we're we're. I mean, we'll definitely get together. We're gonna. I want to get you know you, me, and Mark in the same room to review Kong. So, uh, you know, much like when you know we did Shin, I want a big kind of big panel discussion one. So. We'll have that to look forward to. In in that in the interim, though, that's going to do it for this episode. So, Jessica, where can the good people find more of us? We are on iTunes mm-hmm. as the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We are also on Facebook, which Chris, more than I, by far, by far, mm-hmm. always first to get to to Kaiju news. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a hilarious meme or a new clip mm-hmm. or a toy. He is he is on it. So we are also on Facebook as the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Mm. We are also the same for our email address, and on Twitter we are just the Kaiju Kingdom. So yeah, if you go on there right now, you can see some pictures of a uh, an event I went to this past weekend at uh, Creature Features in Burbank. Um, yep, yep. Where I got to meet uh, Mr. Jan de Bont the director behind such films as Speed, uh, The Haunting, and, of course, one of my all-time absolute favorite films, Twister. He was there with um, composer our Mark... Uh, oh, God. Mark, Mark Messia? Uh, I believe I just butchered his name. But uh, they were doing a, a, a retrospective on Twister, more, most notably the, uh, the score of it. But Jan does not do a lot of public uh, events, so... Um, if you listen to this podcast, you know he was supposed to direct the 94 Godzilla film. Uh, we've talked to Mr. Ricardo Degado at great length about it, and, you know, I was hoping to maybe see if I can compel Jan to come on, but unfortunately couldn't do it. I did get to meet him, and he actually he actually signed my script. I have the first draft script of that film. And uh, when I gave it to him, because everybody was there, you know, Hey, they had because he's a he's a very he's a very well respected cinematographer as well. He worked for he's worked on films for uh, Spielberg and Brian De Palma and a lot of other people before he went and directed his own films. I only had one intention that was to get my Twister DVD signed because I absolutely love all things Twister. Freaking love that film. But uh, when I handed him the script, he took it real quickly. He's like, "What is this? Oh, oh, Godzilla!" Could not get him to stop talking about it. He was very passionate. Like it feels like that film was like a missed opportunity for him. Like he, like the way he was talking about, it, he's like, 
he was going on about like how awesome it was going to be, how awesome he it was working with everybody. Like, I do feel we might have missed out on something now. So, um, I'm, not, I'm going to do my damn to see if I can't get this man on one day. So, it's just a matter of tracking him down. But if you can go online, you uh, if you go on our website, our Facebook, you can see pictures from the actual event. So, and uh, a nice, cool little book that I bought that uh, everybody has uh, either. I, I've I've asked I've. I asked Mark, I'm like, have you seen this? He's like, oh, sir, I have that. Of course I have it. It's one of the most awesome covers you'll ever see. It's Godzilla vs. Destroyer. It's out of this magazine. It's out of this uh, collector's book. Um, just go check it out. It's fantastic. Um, on that note, you can also find, uh, if you're listening to this through iTunes, we are on panzercrush.com. You can find uh, more of our podcasts as well there. Also, you can follow Panzer Crush on Twitter at Panzer Crush, one word. Also on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Panzer Crush. Uh, a lot more, you know, wrestling, MMA, and movie-related, uh, movie comic book-related stuff there. A little more grab-baggy than our Kaiju Kingdom uh, posts. If you're, if you, but if you're into that stuff, come check us out. Uh, Jessica, where can they find more of you? Ooh, they can always go online to find me on any social media, but Facebook, mm-hmm. I would love for you to send an inbox. It's Jessica Sang, T-S-E-A-N-G. Just say you've heard me on the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. And from there, you get to see all the information to, like, Little Geek Girls, uh, the Comic Book Girls site. I also do panels. Chris and I actually do panels. We moderate or our guests at different conventions. Mm-hmm. So that would be, you know, you'll find us all over either online, find me all over online, or even the sites or articles that I'll be working on. All right. And uh, please, be nice. That's all we're asking. That's what definitely what I'm asking, too. Be nice. So, on that note, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast for myself and... Jessica! Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you next time.